All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, every story has a beginning. And you're about to hear that very, very awkward beginning. We shot a pilot for Questlove Supreme with our very own unpaid bill. But the time didn't know that by the time this interview was over, he was going to join the show. Yeah, I don't know the genesis of this show. I think it started with my fandom of Fonte and Boss Bill's. Gordon Cartrell podcast, and then uh, you know, Sugar Steve and I always talked about doing our own podcast, and I remember the notes from uh, our bosses saying that it might help to have uh, a voice of a woman on the show, so Laia will have joined us, I think, by episode five, so this is episode one, the pilot episode of Questlove Supreme, never heard before. With unpaid bill, I, if I, my memory serves me correct, I believe that Fonte really knocked the ball out of the park in, in rare form. Like Fonte was so good, I think that's what made unpaid bill want to join the show. So uh, enjoy it. This is the first time I'm hearing it with you guys. This is the very first episode of Quest Love Supreme. Hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the first episode of Questlove Supreme. To my left, we have the Grand Imperial, the awesomest, the best podcast renter I know. <laughs> Supremely talented, Fonte Coleman. What's going Fonte on? Tigolo. What How up? What up? Fonte Coleman. Fonte. Fonte Coleman. Fonte What up? Uh, and also, we should acknowledge uh, our resident team of uh, Bill Greenchild Johnson. He's mute right now in the microphone. Steve Mandel in later episodes will uh, also offer his two cents. How you doing, Steve? I'll tell you in later episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and to my right, we have our very first guest. Honored. Mr. Bill Sherman. Bill, you have a long storied history. <laughs> and 
and when the show gets more professional, then I will have your actual credits on. But being as though we made this phone call extremely last minute, Bill was my uh, one of one of the fortunate eight producers of a small off Broadway play called Hamilton. <laughs> you might have heard of it. You might have heard of it. I don't know. You How you doing, Bill? I'm good, man. That's great. I'm happy to be here. Well, we're glad to have you. <laughs> Hamilton's an off-Broadway place? Not no, off-Broadway place. I was say, I was, that was, was a joke. Okay, I was, no, I was playing in Harlem somewhere. <laughs> at a Harlem church. It's, it's off MLK. <laughs> you know, yeah. actually, I saw this uh, play once in Harlem. They were redoing the nativity scene, and they happened to have, I think Felicia Rashad was like the angel, and no, Felicia Rashad was, I think, Mary. And Stephanie Mills, singer Stephanie Mills, was the uh, one of the angels. That was this was before to... the Wiz? Was this before no, she this did, is this was, is way after the, the Cosby Show. This is like last year. This was. <laughs> wow. I tell you what, this is when the Roots were mixing Illadolf Half Life. So this oh, had good God. To, this had to have been ninety six. I like the fact that you can chronologically know what happened in your life by what Roots record we were working on or you were working on, which I think is fantastic because I can probably see parts of my life when Roots records came out that were important to me. Well, but I don't know dates. My memory bank is about what albums came out. Like I don't. That's how I remember dates. Not like a, what's her name, Mary Lou Henner, from Taxi, that uh, has this. Like you can tell her like April fourteenth, nineteen sixty two, and she'll tell you exactly what, what she was wearing that day. Oh wow, wow! Like I've tested her a few times when she's been on the Tonight Show, but I, I only remember based on Prince albums, Michael Jackson records, and. What the roots were doing that year. That's all. That's all. I like that. Yeah, I remember Illadelf. That was I skipped school to buy Illadelf. What? I remember I was. <laughs> I made uh, you a juvenile. Del- yeah, <laughs> like, that was Illadelf. That was one of the two albums that I broke the law. Well, other than the records I stole. What's I mean, stole stealing. That's you know whatever. But like, what one of the first record I can remember breaking the law for was Goody Mob Soul Food. I drove to the mall on a learner's permit to buy that that's album from the mall. mall. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have a license. <laughs> I drove to the ball on the road. broke a number that of laws that day. Uh, several. Got it. So then uh, on uh, on Illadef Half-Life, I remember the record came out, and I was a junior in high school. My homies were seniors. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, juniors, only upper class would go off campus for lunch. And so one of my boys was like, yo, we going to the record exchange to get that roots joint. I said, I'm riding with y'all. Fuck that. Let's go. And so I went, and um, I, I didn't go back to school that next day. I think I showed. I went back for like football practice or something, but that was it. So what? I was a I was a truant for your. Uh, wow, I'm honored. Yeah, That's... yeah, man. I had to have it. Have you? You, have you could you, skip have... school and then go back to play football. Yeah, you could, because the coaches like you know it was <laughs> they I mean, needed the help. Yeah, <laughs> it did, was cool. Did you have you ever committed a musical crime to buy of, that, of that nature? <laughs> To buy a record, no. I skipped school a couple times for sure, as we all did. I didn't skip school to buy a record. Really? I'm trying to remember. No, I didn't. Um, I mean, I've com- I've committed many musical crimes in the name of <laughs> shitty music for sure, but that's like a whole different story altogether. Oh man, I don't know if I should share this story or not. Yes, you should. That's I think I definitely. That's the whole purpose of the shit. <laughs> I definitely think you should share it. All right. So the worst whipping I ever got in my life was over. Uh, was it 1999? Close. The time, the Times' first record. What? 
<laughs> Wait, <laughs> I have to set it up for you because basically, okay. So there's a song called After High After School. High School. Yep. That's on the Times' uh, first album, and um, you know it was one of those moments at performing arts. Now I went to the the, the private performing arts from first grade to seventh grade. And so, you know, it was in the early 80s. So, yes, it was very much close to what life was like on that on fame. Like, people would break break out in song, break out in dance, oh, do wow. full-scale production. Leg warmers. Yeah, Leg warmers. seriously. So someone had, it was one of those cliche moments. Someone had a big, giant boom box and put the time cassette in and put after high school on. And then we were all doing that Eddie Murphy, this is how white people dance, dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the, the Carlton. The Carlton, yeah, right. Like, and it was a happy moment. And then I unfortunately danced a little too close to the boom box and caused it to fall on the ground. Like, I ruined the moment. Think of that rerun Doobie Brothers. Yeah, when the tape machine. Yeah, yeah like Al Dunbar. Shatters, yeah. Shatters, I know a lot of references a lot of you won't get, but. Just, just Google it, kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I feel like we should have like some kind of like annotations. Like, okay, so Al Dunbar, the, the Doobie Brothers episode of What's Happening. <laughs> Wait, you're naming Al this Dunbar? Is, yo, Al, yeah, you remember Al Dunbar? He was the bootlegger. All right, so he was, he was the bootlegger. Right, so, Wait a minute. So, so we have to annotate. Okay, so it was the time rerun went to rerun wanted tickets to a Doobie Brothers concert at their high school, <laughs> and you know what I'm saying, the and like. You he was, he was the fat he was you know the fat kid that had the like the day he could hide the tape player so he was like the original Napster of like 1975 <laughs> so like so he goes and tries to take the shit and you remember this episode no oh my god man this is I was classic. born in 1980 I, no, no, no. I was born right. in 78 I was I, we, we right, right behind each other but nah I remember I used to watch this every day so your, your man that played Al Dunbar was also the black as Theodore Wilson who also played he was also a character on Good Times. I can't remember which one he was on Good Times. He wasn't Linay. He wasn't Linay. Yeah, the name is Linay. He yeah. wasn't him. He was like another guy. He was like I get him and Benny Hal. What's his name mixed up? Hal from Two Two Seven. From Two Two Seven. Yeah, Hal Williams. Hal Williams, who's who's Lester Jenkins. It's oh boy, this we going down the black rabbit hole so, so far. <laughs> It's right, so, not even 10 minutes yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Al Dunbar, right, so, right, so Al Dunbar coerces a rerun to take this this uh this 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 uh, Doobie Rubber show with Michael McDonald there in his full beard. Right. And uh, he jump up and the tape player falls out. And right. so he gets caught. Like, you know, the Doobie Brothers see him like, dude, we thought you was our friends. How could you boot like our shit? He, he's paraphrasing it, but it was amazing. Like, <laughs> first of all, Doobie Brothers do this show with a gong. It's on fire and everything. They do one taking it to the streets. And then Rerun is dancing his ass off. And then all of a sudden, the tape player just falls to the floor. And, and the like, show stops. The show Someone stops. notices it. One of the brothers notices it. And then it. the Doobie Dude. brothers just look at him like it's it's one of those like silent to be continued moments. <laughs> like it was like a very special episode of what's happening. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so so yeah, so they find so they got they 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 hook up and they go to Shirley's place and they arrest Al Dunbar, and that was how it was um yeah. it was brought to his resolution. Mine wasn't that dramatic, but basically to avoid the school bully <laughs> from beating me up because I destroyed his his oh, Radio Shack uh, tape player. Um, I just thought, well, maybe I'll just, you know, swipe some money from home. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and I'll replace. Right. There's nothing like being caught in a black household with a black father. 
That's real. Nah, it's real. That's real. It, it really got silent. <laughs> this, this room, even the nah, it, no, it's even the air just shut off. Nah, room. it's real. It's real because it's just like I don't know what it. I think with black fathers, man, like it's just too, like we was we was just before the, we started taping. We was talking about your your nephews, right? Like Bill, his nephews is going through some stuff. You know what I mean? And so he was like, man, I got to go straighten them out. And Bill Sherman was like, man, they could kind of straighten you out because they old. And the things they don't understand about black men, I think once you get to a certain age, you're just not defeating us. Because it's like if, when I'm 20 years old and I would like fight, I would just hit you with my fist. Mm -hmm. But like at like 37, 40, 50, I'm hitting you with every disappointment I've ever had in life. Like I'm hitting you with Vietnam. I'm hitting you. <laughs> I'm hitting you with my failed first marriage. I'm hitting you with every job application that got denied. So for you to steal from a black dad when you came up, like back in the day, like, mm -hmm. oh man, dude, all yeah. in the name of buying, of of repairing his tape player. Wow. And maybe possibly buying that time cassette for myself. Ah, oh, man. Woken up at two in the morning. Uh -oh. <laughs> 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 oh, I can laugh at it now, but it was quite the opposite. <laughs> um, yeah, so that that was the the worst crime. Well, I mean, I I went through a lot in the early '80s to listen to music. Like, I'll I'll share more of that later, but. Anyway, Bill, let's talk about your life. <laughs> <laughs> From black fathers to me. I fit right fucking. You going through a divorce right now, I, so you probably got a lot more in common with black fathers than you realize. <laughs> or you about to in a little bit. <laughs> true, true. Oh, is, is that the reason for the hair change? No, no. <laughs> the, the reason this comes up, Amir and I made the Hamilton record, and uh, I had really long hair and looked like a... Like a like cool. a like a hobo, a cool hobo. Oh, you look hipsterish. I look okay. Of, of the eight producers <laughs> of Hamilton, I thought, okay, I have a lot in common with this guy. <laughs> like everyone else is a suit. That's true. Uh, uh, yeah. So I cut it all off because uh, it was getting long, and I didn't want to look like a hobo anymore. And then and then I saw Mir at a thing, and I said, well, Yo, man, what's up? And he didn't recognize me at all. Yeah, and not it was at all. Hilarious. We were taking a photo with the the Hamilton Gold record, and he was oh, standing wow. next to me, like, Hey, how you doing? And I was like, Oh. No, not, no autographs, no. <laughs> no selfies. Shook my no. head like no a selfie, dude. No. Yeah, so I didn't recognize you, Bill. Sorry. It was pretty great. So, actually, this isn't your first Grammy. Like, what is Emma Heights your first foray into professional producing? Or, like, what's your history with... With that stuff? With, yeah. with music. Start from the beginning. I grew up playing the saxophone. I was really into jazz. It was like a Dexter Gordon, Coltrane, Hank Mobley fanatic wow. when I was a kid. How old? Uh, thirteen through twenty-two. Okay. Do you still play sax now? Every once in a while, gotcha. I, I played it the other day for my kids, and they I couldn't understand that that's something I did. It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, I'm a little traumatized myself. I'm like, why didn't you tell me this? I don't know. It never came up. Oh, okay. Why would it? Do you play instruments? I mean, I can play the piano. Okay. Well, I was making light of the fact that you <laughs> didn't share with me. And I and, I, <laughs> and the kazoo and yeah. So uh, yeah, I I, recorder. I I played the saxophone. I went to college. I went to Wesleyan University in Connecticut. I studied uh, jazz for a while and then I got into world music. I was really into West African Ghanaian drumming. That was my thing for a while. Hmm. I went to Ghana for a semester. I 
studied and I played. I played with a bunch of Fela's guys while I was there in Ghana who had come from Nigeria. This is also a discussion we've never had. Is this and real? We should. Did this really happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did. I'm like, Bill. <laughs> it did. And so, I hardly knew you. <laughs> in addition to all the other shit that you know about me, this you might not. So I met Lynn, Manuel Miranda, uh, in my junior year of college. And the, the, the great story with that, which I tell all the time, is his girlfriend at the time was producing this musical that I was music directing, but I wasn't really into musicals, but that's not the point. And Lynn said, uh, he came up to me afterwards and he said, you don't know me and I don't know you, but we're going to work together for a really long time. Wow. For, Did you, you think know. it was just a random crazy person? Totally. I was like, okay, okay. Well, whatever. Smart guy. So uh, we, we, we did. We worked on his senior thesis and some other shit and whatever. And then we graduated and then we were going to put on In the Heights. We put on In the Heights. That was my first musical. I never had a big background in musicals. I just liked music a whole lot. And then I arranged and orchestrated uh, with Alex Lackmore uh, In the Heights. And then we won a Tony and a Grammy and all that stuff. And then from there, I also play in this group called Freestyle of Supreme, which is a, a hip-hop improv group. Hey. Where we, wow. Right, no, which has the... Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> we have a, he's, making, he's making this all up. Yeah, this is all made up. This is my life story, but it's all fictitious. Uh, <laughs> uh, Wait a minute. Do you know Wait, about this group? What you guys don't know? No parts of that were true at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was, he wasn't. Steve, are you fact checking me as we speak? Are you googling it right amazing. now? It's all bullshit. It's probably true. What you what you what you guys don't? I've I've known Stephen Mandel, our engineer, for near twenty years, and anytime there's a pie in the face moment for me. He's there. His smirk in the background. <laughs> He's totally enjoying the fact that I literally am believing every word you're saying right now. Uh-huh. Okay. You should. It's true. Okay. Freestyle <laughs> Love Supreme. Freestyle Love Supreme. What you know about this? this? You know what, about what, what, this okay. because you were supposed to come to one of our gigs a long time ago when we first met. It's we get suggestions from the audience and we make up hip hop tunes and Lynn's in it and Chris Jackson's in it and wow. all these guys are in it and I play keyboards and there's a beatboxer and we do all this thing, right? You know no, about this? Not real. It's not real, but you should see it. It's pretty cool. See, but the thing is, is that David was on the Tonight Show. No, but David was on the Tonight Show. Speaking of a hip hop improvisational group uh-huh. that he was a part of with the same people you just mentioned. Yeah, that's Wait, the group. Is that real? In. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's real. That's the first real thing. That, yeah, Everything I, up to now has been a lie until this particular moment. <laughs> that's real. It's all real. All right, so what was the concept of the, the hip-hop improvisational group? We get suggestions from the audience, so it's like, they do a thing called person, place, or sing. It's like, you get a person, one, one guy gets person, one guy gets place, one guy gets a singer, and then we just make up hip-hop tunes about that. Oh, okay. Wow. So a musical version of Whose it's, Line Is It Anyway? It's a hip-hop version of Whose Line Is It Anyway, essentially, but all the music's made up, too. It's all... What was the period of, the, of this? It's, it's ongoing, but like when we graduated from college in 2002... We toured a lot and went around to play a lot of the comedy festivals. This is Wesleyan? It's post-Wesleyan, yeah. But a lot of the guys are from Wesleyan. So, like, how, I guess, my question, because I just think musicals, I mean, they, they, they fascinate me, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm never was a person that was really big into them, but I admire the craft that goes into them and just, you know, having to tell a story through song. Like, that's, that's just a lot of fucking words, just mm-hmm. as a writer, you know what I mean? So, like, how do you go from just a saxophone player to writing musicals? Like how, was it something you kind of fell into or was it, like how did you find your groove in that? Not on purpose. Um, uh, I, I lived on Long Island as a kid. My parents would bring me to see musicals like every once in a while, but it wasn't mm-hmm. something I was drawn to. Like I'm not, the genre specifically is not, wasn't a thing that I was into. And I met Lynn and he, and we just did this, we did these shows of his because I just liked the music and In the Heights was all like Latin music and hip hop and stuff like that and stuff I know. And and then it just kind of 
Like, if you asked me what I wanted to do when I was 18, it wasn't, I want to write a musical. That was probably not even anywhere on my brain. I mean, I just like, I just like music, and this was one of the things that I do, and then it sort of spawned all these other things, which is, you know, similar to you. It's like, you do this thing, it does all these other things. You write cookbooks, you know, that kind of shit. Yeah. And then... Um, <laughs> so is the, cook, is the cookbook out? Is it's it not out? a cookbook. It's not a cookbook. It's okay. not a cookbook at all. I've read it cover to cover <laughs> twice. That's bullshit, Steve. Don't look at me. <laughs> It's an expose. Steve, Steve, you're the official judge of Questlove Supreme. <laughs> Throw a flag. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're the ref. Steve, the ref. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so when the idea of Hamilton was presented to you, at what point do you enter the foray as far as the uh, the genesis, at least? Like, well, how- I probably entered Hamilton the same time you did because I didn't work on Hamilton the show. I worked on Hamilton the record. We the probably rec- got okay. the call at the same time. Right. I worked on In the Heights the show. I arranged and orchestrated the music for that, but I did not work on Hamilton the show. I just made the record. So probably we got the call. The, the, so the when it was presented now. to you, did you – instantly feel like oh i'm instantly getting my second 
you know, Tony in my second Grammy. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Flag. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> this should totally be a thing. <laughs> uh, I, you know, to be totally honest, I saw an uh, early reading of Hamilton, and I was like, I thought to myself, there's no way that, like, my Jewish grandmother or anyone's Jewish grandmother is going to pick it up, going to be able to take it all in. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, and I was like, it's, like, lyrically, it's just profound. And so you just sort of, wow. And, 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 then, and then it from that moment on, it just gained steam over and over and over, and I just sort of watched it become this thing. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think that it was going to have the impact that it has. Of course, you could say that about anything that's really impactful in the mm-hmm. world. But I, I, was, I, I didn't think people would get it or could follow it, but I was wrong. And you knew what it, what it was at the time when it was presented to you. Because the thing was, you I, didn't be- know. I believe that if it were properly or thoroughly uh, explained to me what it was, I would have probably made a few excuses to not. Because it was just like, <laughs> okay, it's going to be a hip-hop play about the founding fathers and the Constitution. Yeah, not on paper, that's not a very yeah. premise at all. Like Especially that premise is not in, in light of the, 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 the sort of can't-miss Tupac on mm. Broadway uh, play. Kind that of happened? Like, like, yes. Yeah, I saw that. Saul Williams. Yeah. Ah. And Chris Jackson. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It happened. And then it went away in, in, in three weeks. And so. But that was like a jukebox musical in the same way Jersey Boys is. It's but a that's the different. thing. Like, to me, nothing was going to top Fela. And I was just like, okay, that's a lightning in a bottle moment. Which, I mean, it was rather bittersweet working on it. But. It's just that it took two of the most cynical people I knew <laughs> to run to me and be like, yo, <laughs> you really need to see this now. Like Tariq, Black Thought of the Roots, Tariq and my manager, Sean G, are excited about not much. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, even if something is real dope, those would be like, yeah, 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 it's cool. It's all right. But they were like, you got to see this. And even then, they didn't tell me. It was a hip hop. I didn't know what to expect, so I just sat there and noticed that this was the longest song in history. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's a play with no dialogue in it, mm-hmm. all of what like ten lines. But I'm just saying, like, how in the world did, like, did you even think that this would hit jackpot? Or well, Lynn, Lynn's been my very close friend for a very long period of time, and he called me while he was reading that book, the Hamilton book, which I tried to read. But only got through about 100 pages. <laughs> yeah, okay, to be honest, for, for those for those that don't know, the, the whole genesis of it all was once the In the Heights mania ended. Uh, Lin Manuel went on vacation with his wife, and decided, "I'm going to take a book with me for summer reading," and takes the the 900 it's page the biggest book yeah, ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the you know the the the, the family Bible that's in every yeah, black yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the four house. of those. <laughs> The black family Bible. Yeah, the black. With all the birth certificates in it. Yes. Yes. Wait, I'm not the only one? Hey, man. Every black family keeps the birth certificates and the social security cards. You got to keep it close to Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) We love Jesus, bro. And I'm in the South, too. So, I mean, you know, we really love Jesus. So, dog. I really thought that was just a Thompson household thing. Oh, nah, brother. But, I mean, but your people, like, you Philly, (laughs) but, I mean, your people, we're all from the South. Okay, but there it is. My family's from North Carolina. There it is. There there it is. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, Lynn took this. (laughs) (laughs) 
Lynn took this near black family Bible <laughs> on vacation with him, uh-huh. and uh, and somehow got the inspiration. It was according to him, he couldn't put it down. Well, there's the difference. <laughs> I purchased the, <laughs> All right. I purchased the book. I think I got past the index. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I got past the index, so I don't know. But, uh, like, how, though? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he, he, Lynn has always been, like, a sponge for all kinds of things, like pop culture things. He reads all of, like, the People magazine, the EW magazines weekly, and he just, and, and he's always reading and, and learning and watching and whatever, and I don't know. I, who, who knows? You know, I mean, like, when you, when you know you're about to write a tune and you know it's going to be the shit versus just, like, some other song, he just knew he had something. But you know the interesting thing was he uh, he Googled it because he thought that someone already had this idea. There's no way that this story that hasn't been told or something. And he Googled it and nothing came up. And so I suppose he called his agent and there it was. And here we are. Wow, it's amazing. How did you get started on uh, Sesame Street? I uh, after In the Heights, I was the music director of the Electric Company, the reboot of the Electric Company. I see. Uh, and uh, did Matt- you did you have? immediate fantasies of rebooting it like the the original 70s show which i feel is another stoner yeah i also just had immediate fantasies of holy shit i have a job that was the, <laughs> that was the immediate fantasy the fantasy of paying my mortgage well, yeah. the, the new electric company isn't necessarily like nah, it's, it's not it's not it's, it's totally not it's totally not i'm so glad you verified that because i feel like steve is like are you really going to start no, I haven't seen it. No, it's I not. Feel like my, I my kid, because one. you're old. <laughs> the you're old Electric adult. Company was just more, I think, of the stoner TV you're talking about. Right. And I think the newer one was like super sleek, super now, super It's almost fast. like three, two, like, one contact. Yeah, yeah. 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 So let's yeah. go back to Sesame Street. All roads lead. Yeah, I, I, I got to <laughs> say that one of the best experiences of my life was meeting that cast uh, when they came here for the first time mm-hmm. uh, at the to the Tonight Show. Um and how cool they were again was this like a oh i just have a job thing or what? initially <laughs> that wore off after a minute i you know so you weren't I, impressed with the fact that here's bob and maria I, and I, I was i was more impressed with the, the puppets because they were more part of my generation of growing up can i tell you something though? you can this is your show are they right what? Oh, okay. Not are they right? <laughs> <You> mean, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> See, if I were to ask Fonte, yo, are they right? <laughs> he, he would know what I meant. Oh, you mean are the puppets right or are the people that the puppeteers right? I've seen them many a times when the camera's not on, still in character. Oh, wow. Now, is that just so that they can execute a good job? Because even when it's long, even when the shoot is done, they're still talking to me. It's like method acting to the hundredth power. <laughs> well, I think the thing about, to me, the thing about the puppeteers is like, there's like 25 people in the world that do what they do. Wow. And so it's this small sect of people that just, this is their life and this is their thing. And, 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 and in the same way it was for Jim Henson, it was just like, this is, this is, this is what it is. But you're telling me that Jim Henson 24 seven was like, well, I don't know. I've never met Jim Henson. I, I, I don't know that. But, but with these people, it's just it's 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 who they are. It's like just such a in, in the same way that the puppet's sort of like an extension of their hand. The voice is sort of an extension of the way they talk. And wow. so they just, particularly, I mean, there, it happens more so with particular people who are just more whatever. And the, well, who the, plays the, Zoe on the show? Zoe, uh, Jen Barn. You talking about Abby? Is that? Oh, yeah, Abby. Leslie. Yeah. Leslie. Leslie Carrera. She's great. 
I'm she, sure right now she's talking in she, oh, Abby's the, voice. The other thing about it is her actual voice and Abby's voice are very similar. So, wow. so that wow. might have something okay. to do with it. But like the guy who plays Elmo doesn't talk like Elmo <laughs> most of the time. He talks like a normal, you know, another person, a real person. <laughs> Red flag. Red. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all nuts. I'm sure they're. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in the same way, whoever would come in here and film this be like, those guys are fucking nuts, too. So it just depends. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure they would. <laughs> I read I read something. You did an NPR interview. And uh, oh, yeah. I read you saying uh, sometimes, the quote was, sometimes composers think that because it says in the street, they have to dumb it down. But these days, children have unbelievably sophisticated ears. I think dumbing it down is disrespectful to kids. And uh, I just want to know what, what you thought about that. Like, do you think, why do you think kids today are more their ears are more sophisticated or or do you think they are more or less sophisticated than the kids back from the joe Raposo area era where you had like pointer sisters and mm. you know stevie and all that kind of stuff going on are you asking me to quote on my quote yeah i'm yeah quote on your quote i'm at i'm, I'm kind of jealous that fonte did a little research on your interviews <laughs> fonte googled me he told me he googled me yeah, yeah, I, was, I was reading up on you yeah. i'm here like wait you've done interviews before <laughs> yo man just because you called yesterday and someone canceled it, I had some shit to do. I need a nobody. Uh, uh, Bill. <laughs> nah, I like, I I'm there. A, I'm totally there. I want to be aware. I want to be up be there? what my man is doing. Um, I will. Well, Amir, you've written for Sesame Street. I, 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 the, the way I look at it is like if my, my daughters come downstairs and they hear what I'm writing and they don't like it, it means it's not good. My kids listen to like Top 40 Radio. They're not into kids' music. And they're into, okay. into hooks and catchiness and things that mm -hmm. make today's pop music as good as it is. And that's just what kids' ears are open to now. And so, like, when I ask people to write for Sesame Street, which is something you didn't, did not do, is, is they often, like, will go to vaudeville, like, the first thing. Because to, to people, to the general world, like, Sesame Street is like, or, like, some two-beat shit. And, and, and they, these days, it's not. Like, kids get turned off by that just as much as anybody else does. And I think that if you can write music that appeals to everybody kid parent you whomever i think that that's that's kind of the thing that i try to push for that being said sometimes we i you should talk about this because because i feel like at least the tune that that you wrote mm -hmm. was this weird sort of conglomeration of musics that totally worked and was like would be considered by the general ear to be sesame street and something that pharrell would put on his next record or whatever it is it's like this weird and that's that's kind of what I try well, to do every day. I thought it's that like Pharrell kind of was there. adventurous enough to actually want to sing something that weird, or yeah. it would be right up his alley. But I'll tell you something. I don't know if 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 singing "Dumb It Down" is necessarily a valid thing. I don't know why I'm going through a phase right now in which I really respect pop music, simple music, mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's the light of in light of Prince's uh, passing or whatever it is, but I have the utmost respect for anyone that can write the most simplest song ever, and it sticks. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I'm learning to do. Like, 20 years ago, you couldn't have told me what a melody was. Like, oh, the melody is what you play with your right hand. You know, <laughs> I was, I was, I, I'm, I more or less came from a, a vibe place. My music felt vibey like it puts you in a place where it's like a relaxed place or i guess people will call it like sunday house cleaning music yeah but it really wasn't until five years ago that i realized like 
I don't know how to write a pop song. And now working at Fallon, where you're constantly told to write these seven second jingles, now I'm more aware, like, oh, we got to write an impactful song in seven seconds. So I, I kind of, I, I respect the, the, the art more. So I, I don't know. Do you think that has influenced your recording in any way? Like your work with Roots or This anyone, next or? Roots album, I believe will be our most focused album. As, okay, as a, as a music fan, I feel like, the, the way that I feel about Earth, Wind & Fire and the way I feel about Stevie Wonder and the way I felt about Prince, as a music fan, I'm always like, dog, all they have to do is get the same microphones, the same sound mixing board, the same <laughs> instruments. So, you know, I know a lot of people say like, well, you're too close to your creation, so you can't. I know that no artist can ever go 100% linear all the time. That They have to circle back and start all over again. So... I think the, the the music fan in me knows that we have to go back to step one again. Gotcha. I don't want to go back to 94. I kind of want to go back to 90. This album is going to be very close to 96, 99. This will be the Illadelph Things Fall Apart album that I think a lot of our early fan base has been waiting for. It's breakbeat heavy. But having wrote for the show so much, I can't ignore the education that I've gotten being a DJ and being a, a songwriter on, on the show, which is I'm instantly thinking, okay, where's the melody? Where's the, mm-hmm. where's the part that, you know, my assistant will be like, Oh, I remember that. Song. Like it's, it, it's going to be hard to ignore the education I've gotten. Again, that. like, like, do you believe in good songs or bad songs or effective songs? Effective and not songs effective. versus non-effective. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I guess, to me, it's more of a thing where, for me, it's a little bit of both. It's like I think that there can be songs where, like, if the only place I can enjoy it is if I'm halfway drunk, then probably <laughs> it's not. You know, no, I'm just saying, like, if it's like if that's the only place, if that's the only what time, what song would that be? Oh shit, name one. <laughs> like any of this, go through any like playlist like right now on like, you know, wherever, Hot 97, 105, wherever. But I mean, if like, if, if but I'm saying, if I can only enjoy those songs in that particular setting, it is an effective song and I can get it. But once I come out of that kind of haze, I can be like, okay, this is kind of a shitty song, but it does work in this context. But it's like McDonald's. It's like, I like McDonald's and when I want McDonald's, I fucking want McDonald's. But I'm not about to argue with someone the nutritional value of McDonald's. It's like, nigga, I'm not about to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, if you want a quarter pound, eat your quarter pound and be happy and just, that's what it is. But don't, I'm not about to damn argue as to why you should eat McDonald's every day. Like, you fucking kidding me? So like, is is there a committee on such? Because I would imagine a, a show so well respected with all these songs that stick. I would imagine that there is a, 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 a jury of, you know, of people that are, are constantly dissecting uh, every creation that's on the show. Like, what's the, what's the songwriting process like? I was, <clears throat> I was before we, we the, all of the lyrics are uh, given to uh, given to me by the scriptwriters, and prior to that, they're passed through the education department. So they've gone through lyrically, it's gone through a bunch of different things because it needs to be grammatically correct and it needs to get across the education thing we're trying to get across once that's done it comes to me and then it's just sort of like so for every song 
Yeah, pretty much. Songs about emotions and even songs about the number two. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, every wow. song goes through this, this painstaking process. Yeah. What red flag no-nos are there in Sesame Street songwriting? Like, Most of it's about the, the character. If it's not written like the character would say it, like, for example, like, Elmo never says I. And, uh, yeah, how come Elmo and Cookie talk grammatically incorrect? It's a good question. Don't know the answer to that. <laughs> you, can, you should ask them the next time you see them. I'm sure that'll be easy. I still have a job? Okay, great. <laughs> that really is weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he I never know. Yeah, he knows his eye. That's right. That you means love, if you he, love because he's because they're three or they're five, and maybe that's what kids who are three or five do. I should probably know that my kids are three and five. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, anyway, so the process. So then, so then it comes to me, and then it's like if it's a song that exists in a script, it's how does it throw? You know, how does it work narratively, and what does it want to feel like and sound like? And then if it's a pullout song, it's like if it's for a celebrity, who are they, and what do they sound like, and can we make it sound like them? And then. It sort of goes from there, and then I write it, or somebody writes it, and then it goes back to the producing staff, I'm sure, similar to whatever goes on here, and, and they approve it, or they don't, or they da 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 and then it's sort of, that's it. It's a lot of people. But at this point, 47 so years are, later, it's... are there hurt feelings? <laughs> Nothing's worse than getting a song rejected. I got to so. say this. I mean, I've written 10,000 songs at this point. If one gets rejected, I just go and write another one. Like, I don't... I, personally, I don't really... I'm not too precious with anything at this point mm-hmm. because I can't be because it just needs to happen too quickly. So, oh, so if you don't have it, then blah blah blah, we'll have it. And... Yeah, or like if it comes back and I was if I'm if I'm so far away that they're like trashing and write a new one, then I'm like, what? I, at this point, like, how can I be that fucking far away? Right? Right, right. But it happens from time to time. But most sometimes, just like it's too fast, we want it to be slower so kids can understand it. That that I get a lot. Or the it's not hooky enough, funny enough. You mentioned like if 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 it's not a thing that A, your kid could sing back, or B, they want to stand up and dance to, then then it's not good enough. That's Bill, kind of the role. How often, I wanted to ask, man, how often for you is it that, because I haven't done, I've done some TV work, some movie work, writing for stuff, whatever, and I haven't done a lot of it, but I've done some. How often for you is it that you'll do a song, they send it, they reject it, and they ask you to make changes or whatever, and it actually is better? Like you, like you sit back after it's done and be like, well, damn, that was right, mm-hmm. versus... Oh man, y'all fucked my song up. Like, mm-hmm. how often does that happen for you? It, it, uh, a few times a week. I mean, it it, it, it depends, really. And so this week, uh, I wrote this song for Titus Burgess for this show I'm working on, and uh, it was too fast, and they wanted it to be slower. And I, I'm always hesitant about slowing things down because it just fucks it up all the time. However, mm-hmm. in this case, it came that I I brought it back a little bit and it worked totally fine. So there's that. And then the same thing that happened, like. I wrote a song where I, I crunched the verse really quickly because the other thing about children's songs, if you listen to them, is especially with Sesame Street, you're trying to get so much across that there's a lot of words, a lot of syllables. It's not like you're holding notes. You're not like soaring and stuff. It's not really, it doesn't really happen. <laughs> so so uh, in doing so, you know, you have to make sure that every word, like you can't overlap like the end of a verse into a chorus because mm-hmm. you can't then hear the end of the verse. Mix-wise or not, like if it's on the screen and there's two people at the same time, that's another thing about Sesame Street. It's not a lot of duets <laughs> or not wow. a lot of people singing at the same time unless it's like a chorus thing like you would never hear two puppets like singing harmonizing s- or well, harmonizing for sure but like singing counterpoint over for example top, yeah, yeah, they would never sing over, over the top of each other gotcha um you're right hey man i've been working there for a few years <laughs> i never which by the way that was a deep cut and i was really happy about that yeah um, it's a, but nobody knew what do it was. any sesame street songs on the show man like the whole producer staff's just looking at me like yeah. No one's going to get this. <laughs> but you got it. All right, y'all. 
You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I always thought that Frank Oz should have like a lozenger's deal or something. He's the best. It's how was he able to utilize that voice? And he he was Cookie Monster for at least forty years, yeah. Correct? And and Grover and Miss Piggy and, and Bert. Bert. Oh wow, and, yeah, that's right. He was Fozzie, yeah, yeah. Fozzie and all, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, it, 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 the, the, so Frank Oz left. Sesame Street, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. And the guy who took over, his name is David Rudman. He, um, I believe he's also the hands of the Swedish chef, which I think is a pretty cool thing. Really? But, uh, yeah. But he does Cookie Monster and, and Baby Bear and a bunch of other stuff. But, uh, yeah, he, he, when we record with him, we, uh, it, sometimes if it's too low, it, it, we, he can only last a certain amount of time because that voice is so insane. Um, uh, how many voice characters are still on the show that were there is carol spinney carol spinney is the last he's one still bill big bird he's he does the voice of big bird and the voice of oscar oh wow yeah and last year am uh, i allowed to ask how old carol spinney is 
He's a male. Yeah, yeah. All right, males were allowed to ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, you can ask males. I think he's women. eighty something. Good God. Seriously? And yeah, and the, the the best line about Carol, of which there are many, is um, like a few years ago or five or six, whatever. He said, uh, "I don't think I can do Big Bird and roller skates anymore," which I thought was a pretty good line. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Wait, wow. he was also the body of Big Bird. Yes, for the entire span of the show. Oh wow! And just stopped doing it two, since I, two years ago or a year ago. So now someone someone pu- someone embodies it and he does the voice. Same thing with Oscar the Grouch. Wow. Yeah. Pretty amazing. There's some great eighty photo. something. Yeah. Man. I, I, do, I, like, are there voices insured or? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea. They should be. That's, I, was, I was saying, but Frank Oz. Do you have a backup bird just in case? There is. There's a backup bird. <laughs> is he good? <laughs> he's great. He he's also um. That guy is Matt Vogel. He's in the Electric Mayhem band. He, who's the guy who plays the bass in the Electric Mayhem band? I'm blanking. Shannon Tweed. Janice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I actually figured out why Cookie Monster doesn't speak grammatically correctly. Why? <laughs> is it so racist? Grammatically correctly? Right. He's really stupid. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> grammatically incorrectly. He's, he's a monster. Oh, so he's not like a real, you know, person. He's 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 crazy or whatever. Can we just have thoughts from Steve? Or the... Man, no, Steve <laughs> is a star. That's gonna be Steve's going to be the a, star of this, of this podcast the in about three months. He's going to get his own segment. He's the monster. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I should I probably mean, know that. I was going to say, episode, I was thinking though. it was diabetes because he eat all that sugar. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that you was thought he had guess. the sugars? Yeah, the sugar. Yeah, yeah. That is that. Yeah, the sugars. That is another thing that goes into the Black Bible. Can I tell you something? All right. So Steve and I met. Steve was a. An engineer at Electric Lady Studios. So, during the whole Soulquarian Renaissance of of what uh, Voodoo and Erica's Mama's Gun and all the all the common records, that's how Steve and I worked with each other. So, when he left Electric Lady and I hired him as my full time engineer in Philly, uh, what started in two thousand six. I'm still thinking about Cookie Monster. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> Shannon like, Tweed. We should, do, we should do an episode where the Cookie Monster learns how to speak correctly. <laughs> we did one where he didn't eat cookies. Oh, <laughs> wow. He's a vegetable he monster. monster. Yeah. Oh, like, veggie monster. People that, were like up in arms. Like, yeah, I didn't like take that. that I mean, all. not that I watch it regularly. But, <laughs> yeah, but really. nah, that's, that's <laughs> his <laughs> legacy. Is it? Yeah, he, You're the only friend monster. I have that watches Sesame Street, just for the record. Well, anyway, the, the, the cookies subject. don't even go in his mouth. They, 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 That's right. He they crumbles just... them up and he throws them. Like he doesn't even eat any of it. I like that you're telling me this. Like I don't know. That. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, and, thanks, Steve. Anyway, so when Steve came to Philly to work full time uh, for the Roots, uh, his entire diet became my diet. <laughs> so oh, every wow. day. Yeah, do I even need to finish? Yes. No. <laughs> Steve is one of the first white people I know that had the sugars. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn, Steve. <laughs> what was that like? Cookie Monster's fine. I'm fucked up. Wow. <laughs> you let Chris love get Seriously, you one year. Sugar. Well, there was a soul food oh. church like oh, down damn. the street from the. There was a soul food church down the street from the studio, so we ate there every day like clockwork. <laughs> I knew churches one, were bad news, man. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of the equivalent. What was the McDonald's thing for 30 days? Uh, oh, oh supersize me. Supersize, supersize, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, he ate soul food at least like four months in a row, and by the end, he was done. Like, he he <laughs> oh, had insulin man. shots. 
Wow. Steve had the sugar. Steve, you got the wow. sugar. How'd you recover? You just left? You don't recover from that. <laughs> <laughs> you just keep going with it. Ah, oh, damn, Steve. Steve's in the Black Bible, man. Yeah. <laughs> Yo, you a fish in the Black Bible, Steve. You yeah. got diabetes. That's like the blackest disease ever. <laughs> like that and the gout. Like, like no one, no one quite figures too. out what the gout is, but it's just you don't want that shit. I got all that shit. Ah, oh, damn. Yeah, man. <laughs> Welcome. You ride or die, Steve. Man, literally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ride, ride, ride on. Ride to die. <laughs> Damn. You know what? One day, one day we're gonna listen to this episode. <laughs> like, like when we're like professional and everything. I'll be dead. <laughs> In Steve memorial, memorial. No, In memorial. <laughs> It wasn't just fried chicken that gave me diabetes. <laughs> that takes it takes longer than four months to get it too, you know. But well, you're also so do, so you, you gummy bears. You still gotta take like <laughs> insulin shots now. You still Dixie gotta do sticks. it now. Yeah. Wait, you I, still do it? Yeah, whenever I eat, I have to take insulin, Shit. and then I take insulin like a one that a different kind that that helps you 24 hours a day. Try and keep it like. Level. There's no coming back from it. Not yet. They're working on it. Don't worry. Wait, did it. I really do this, Steve? I, like, I feel bad. <laughs> this is like a right, Oprah right, moment right, right now. Right, Go right. ahead. They're working on it. Like, your family going to be like, you did this to him. No, wow. I didn't tell them that you did this to me. <laughs> gonna find All right, so we can just take this off the podcast. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Have we talked about music at all? Like, this we didn't talk about some music. the Black Bible. There was Steve's diabetes. <laughs> Great show, man. What are we talking about? Music? Are we? Are, are we supposed, I feel like we supposed to be talking about something. This, this, this is when we when we dried out all of our resources. Diabetes. It, what's the? <laughs> Steve has diabetes. That was the last Yo, time we talked about some depressing shit. Yo, that's so is it hot in here? I feel bad for my man Steve. Don't pass out, Steve. Keep it together. Yo, because right. it, it's such a depressing disease. Like I got an uncle. With, nah, dude, like, yo, like, dude, because cause the thing is, is, okay, I'm going to tell you the tragedy. But you I'm have his you, empathy, Steve. That's, that's I, no, 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 thing. for real. You got my empathy, and I'm going to tell you the tragedy in this. It's because, like, Steve, like, you're a skinny guy, so you ain't even got the fatness to go with the diabetes, so it's not even like you earned it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like you're not even, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like I know a chick that's like a fat vegan, and it's just like, honey, why? <laughs> why? Wow. Yeah, like it's just, you know what I mean? Like, why? Like, you, you, if you go, if I'm a fat, if I'm gonna be fat, I'm gonna have everything that comes with it and I'm gonna earn the fatness. So, to be a skinny guy with diabetes, that's fucking miserable, man. <laughs> I, I really, you have my same. And to think about every Yo, time I sit down to eat a meal, I gotta think about what I'm gonna eat. I got an uncle with diabetes. Thanksgiving, he can't have sweet potato pie and it pisses Damn. him off. <laughs> He can't do it. Like, it'll be like, we'll be calling EMS. All right, we're going to blue smoke after this. Yeah, All right, so. yeah right straight there. Um, at least, you know. Yeah, I got to earn it. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Uh, weird segue. Music. Please, 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 so I play a jam. So you, you've earned a Tony. I have. I, I, I orchestrated in the Heights in 2008, and I won a Tony. It was a wild night, and the first time I ever won an award, and... It was great. Do cast albums get Tonys at all? No, they get Damn. Grammys. You so get Grammys. I'm not. I'm not going to get a. No, you're not going to get a Tony. I'm not going to get a Tony. I, are you going? I bet they invite you. Are you playing? Are you oh, going? I'm going, and I'm bum resting that stage. When how many people are going to get on that stage? Like, with a hundred. <laughs> 
Yo, wouldn't it be hilarious if the voting academy just assumes that Hamilton is going to get best play, and so they decide, like, let me just give it to something else? I mean, I and, thought when we were – so when they, we did the Grammys and they, they gave the award on the stage at the Richard Rodgers, and I was the only person in L.A., for a moment, I was like, what if Seth MacFarlane walked up there and is suddenly presenting the best cast album that no one gives a fuck about, and he goes – and it goes to – not Hamilton. I mean, imagine, and then it would have been unbelievable. That would have been such a great moment. Like, yeah. and I would have been the only person there in LA being like, wow. Yeah. That would have been like, like a Steve Harvey at the pageant moment. Right. Like, just, <laughs> the, the winner is Hamilton. I'm sorry, folks. <laughs> like, I got to be real. Yeah, I got to be not real. Hamilton. That was some shit. Yo, I, I think the way that the Roots won our first Grammy was that moment. Because it's like, I've heard your theory. What was on the, this what was the Roots Dude, first Grammy? Because y'all were up against like it was, it was like Dr. Dre, Dr. Yeah. Dr. Dre and Snoop. Oh, it was Jethro Tull Metallica. Go ahead. It was. Just kidding. I did not compare the Roots to Jethro Tull. Just shut the fuck up. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. I, I totally did. did. I totally he totally did. did. <laughs> nah, he totally did. Wait, 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 wait. I even got to rewind. Even on the red carpet, Moby was like, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm going to present the, you know, the, the, the best rap award or whatever. And they were like, well, who are your favorites? I don't know. It could be Dr. Dre. It could be Eminem. It could be Snoop. Oh, man. I really hope it's Busta Rhymes and Janet Jackson. I love that song. I love those guys. Matter of fact, even if they're not the winners, I'm going to say that Busta Rhymes and Janet Jackson is the winner. So <laughs> wow. that was the- Moby. So that was the Moby. energy that he played. Vegan. I call it Moby. <laughs> vegan. <laughs> Skinny vegan. He probably has diabetes, too. That, that was the- <laughs> That was the energy that he put on the red carpet. So meanwhile, we already lost uh, two Grammys to Eminem earlier that night. Mm -hmm. And so sitting in the audience, I was like, well, I know we're not going to win. So it's whatever. And suddenly I didn't now I didn't hear what Moby said from the stage. But when they called our name, I was like, holy crap, like we won. How did this happen? It's, it's like that scene in Boogie Nights. When Don Cheadle goes into the donut, to the donut spot, shop and just in all white, and everyone gets shot and killed except for <laughs> he him. walks off with the money. He mm -hmm. makes it and starts his his shop, his stereo shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but. and Dr. Dre and Snoop versus Dr. Dre and Eminem versus <laughs> R. Kelly and Puffy versus Janet Jackson and Busta Rhymes, and then the Roots and Erica Badu, and somehow you won. Y'all were the last one standing. I, I felt it was only that specific situation in which we were allowed to win. Now, I went home the night to watch the victory tape, and then Moby was like, and the winner is, well, in theory. The oh, roots, wow. The Roots and. Did he say that? He said, the winner is, in theory, the Roots and Erica Badu. <laughs> wow. Now, I didn't know what in theory meant. So I was like, what does in theory mean? That means you didn't deserve to win, Amir, but you're technically the winner. Yeah, oh, man. And I was like, huh? That's some shit. Can I ask a question about that song? Because we were talking before about hooks and pop music and things like that. Which one? You got me. You got me. Is there something to be said that The Roots' biggest pop success is the one of the only songs you have that has like melody and stuff in it, that, 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 that has the, the hook of hooks? I mean. I, just, I think we got lucky. I mean, plus you can't discount Scott Storch. Like of of all the keyboard players that have been in the roots, Scott's right hand is automatically programmed to think of what the melody is. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, at the time, uh, what, what was the the number one communication device? Uh, two way pagers. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of the yeah. That was Scott's the whole theory was: can you program it's it? It's not a hit. Yeah. It's not a hit if you can't put in a two way pager. And I was like, hmm, I never thought of that. But then, I mean, in the in the light of Neptune's beats, mm-hmm. with you know just simple one note chords, it, it felt at the time it felt like, oh, that's just lazy songwriting, whatever. But now I get. And understand what melody is, but yeah, it baffles me every day that we've that never had a a dance jam or a dance hit or, you know. Now I will say this: I was always questioning. I want to ask you this: I was always wondered, you know, like Bill was saying, with "You Got Me" being the one that I had melody. One of my favorite, still one of my favorite melodies by y'all to this day, is "Complexity" with Jill mm-hmm. off Phrenology. Right. Why why you got me and not that one? I mean, aside from one getting a push or, you know, whatever, or one being pushed as a single. Because mm. Complexity wasn't a single. But it wasn't a single. Do you think it's something that was hard to sing? In, like, my, it- in my heart, I felt, and in my heart, I knew, I think I wanted to make cool filler. Okay. I think I make great filler. And even the artists that I like, Stevie Wonder, Prince, and the Beatles, and, like, you can judge a really good artist based on their filler. Like, I like their filler more than I like the singles. Gotcha. Bill, do you spend a lot of time working on lyrics? Like, is that something that you, like, what comes first to you? Is it music first, lyrics first? Like, how well, you're producing now, right? Yeah, I mean, I always get sent a page of lyrics for the most part when I'm working on, like, TV shows and things mm-hmm. like that. But then when I'm not, I'm not, I hire lyricists. I'm not a lyricist per se. I think for me, the music always comes first. I agree. Or the, or the, or the, the hook. Like, I'll write hooks first and then go back and I agree. the verse. I, that's the same way I am, too. For me, it's like I, I I was an English major in college. So for me, writing a song, like, the hook is like your thesis statement. Mm-hmm. And then your verses are like the paragraphs to support the thesis statement. So it was it was very much. My process is the same way. See, I'm ass backwards. You verses <laughs> first? You do verses first? I'll, I'll even go deeper than that. You got to do beats first, though. No. First of all, I'm so non-singles thinking. I think of the album. And when I'm thinking of the album, the first thing I work on are the interludes. Because okay. to me, I don't know, you remember that feeling of, of getting Pete Rock's records and no. you hear these interludes? Look, man, I remember buying, I didn't break the law for main ingredient. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't that was like, I Yo, give me a break that. the law. This is a fun, take a little breaks the law. This is a fun, <laughs> breaks the law episode. Okay, the, the last, episode, last one I can, last record I remember breaking the law for, I broke the law for, I had a homie that worked at a record store and I broke the law. Now, it wasn't Best Buy. It wasn't Best Buy. It was another record store. I'm not going to name because I don't know if the statute of limitations is up on this shit. <laughs> so, but it was a record store. <laughs> and so he would just let me came in and I gave him like $5 and he would just let me like grab whatever the fuck I wanted. One of those records. Don't you miss those friends? Yeah. Man, let's. Don't you miss record stores? Right. <laughs> let's talk about it. One of those records was OK Computer. And that was my first introduction to radio and. Ever since then, I was I was converted, but um, but now nah, I remember Main Ingredient. I bought Main Ingredient, and honestly, Main Ingredient was a record for me. I didn't like. I gotta love. Like I heard the singer, I was just like, Don't you Man. hate when Kanye said that's his favorite song? No, that's no, yeah. I'm like, bro, that shit is. Everyone's nah. frowning in this room. <laughs> right, <they> even are... <laughs> even the people that never heard. <laughs> Where everyone's like, hmm. Yeah, I hated. I gotta love, but but I still bought the record. I was like, oh, let me see and. Oh my God. But yeah, the interludes, you're right. The interludes for that record were 
better than a lot of beats. For Megan and Soul Brother and the Megan Same Brother too. Same thing. Yep. Yeah, and to me, like, I feel like I work ass backwards. I think of the interludes first, and then I match the song to that interlude, mm. and then we you work on the groove, and then you add the verses, and then the hook is the afterthought. Like I work completely backwards from, you know, from how the average. That's how I used to do it. Now I'm thinking of, what's your hook? Like, what's gotcha. the thing that's going to stick? Which I almost feel like, like a dirty businessman for doing that. Like, hey, you got to make a living, brother. <laughs> I mean, I. But I think I, I think too. I mean, what you're doing to DJ, I imagine it would be kind of hard to not be informed by that. You know, because I remember one time I went to one of your, I think we did the thing over at, it was at the do-over in London. We were in London for the mm-hmm. Olympics. Right. And some of the stuff you played were records that I would not listen to, like, in, a, in my car or in my yeah. life. But they totally killed the party. And, I mean, they were good records, but, you know, they worked in that setting. What, so I, I, what I spend and what I listen to are just night night and day. What do you, well, I'm, you don't DJ, do you? No. Okay. Like, what is your go-to I have to listen to to get me through the day? I don't know. People ask me a lot. I don't listen to a lot of music. I'm the opposite of you. I don't. So I, you're I too immersed like, in music? Yeah, too. I feel like I go downstairs <clears throat> to my office at 9 a.m. and I come out at 6 a.m. and my ears are just shot. And I just, when I'm in the car, I listen to, like, the news or comedy most or, or top, or top 40 because I feel like so often than not when people are asking me to write something, they're like, oh, it sounds like the new blah, tune. So I have to know what that Reference is. Reference it. And, I got you. I and got for you. my kids, because they know them, and I should. So, so yeah. you listen to, because I do the same thing. Too. I'll listen to, like, talk radio or NPR or something, like, just to kind of cleanse or just kind of decompress. You know what I mean? Um, you say you go downstairs in your office. Do you work from home? Is that kind of your home base? What yeah, you- I kind of move around. It depends on what the day it is. Like, it's either Sesame Street in uh, Queens or our studios on Fifth Street where we record music or I'm at in my basement. So do you have like a home studio mm-hmm. just set up, just kind of doing anything? That's yeah. what's up. That's what's up. It's easy. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. So you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. 
There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do you find your balance as a dad? And, or is there even a balance? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, do you your know. daughters control the radio yet? Oh, yeah. They, they will pick certain songs and asked to stay on certain channels and my one daughter will move the dial and stuff like that. She knows what she's doing. So who controls the music in the household? Uh, my kids. They, it's, it's pop radio all the time in my house. What's the most adult intellectual thing they listen to? On pop radio? No, just... <laughs> I mean... Yeah, you ain't gonna find much. Shit, I, I was listening to Beatles at five. So Yeah, my kids... So, but it's also the parents' responsibility. I agree with Do you. Do you let them choose what they want to listen to? Yeah. I don't put it on them. I haven't yet. And it, but, Why? Yeah, you know, but it's interesting because I did not have parents. My, both my parents are doctors, so clearly we have a lot in common. And uh, <laughs> uh, my parents listened to like smooth – my dad listened to like Dave Sanborn, like smooth jazz all day long. Oh, wow. And like, like for real. And, uh, and I was a saxophone player, and I was like, no. <laughs> and, and then and, – uh, uh, yeah, yeah, like super yeah. smoothie. Uh, but they 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 didn't know music. They still don't know music. They have no idea. So like when I was a kid, all the cool kids listened to like the Beatles and and Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and like that was a thing in the very white suburban neighborhood I grew up on Long Island. Calm down a fucking second before you judge me. <laughs> and so then it did not until later. Same it, here. What are you talking about? I'm not judging you. I live oh, the same life. You're shaking your head because you feel for me. Okay, okay, my bad. So and well, so not, not, I'll tell you why I was shaking my head. But go ahead. So not until later was was uh, right right. High school's ending and college was starting where it was like, this is what you have to open up your head a little bit. It's not just about these particular things. And so then it became more of a like a quest as a, uh, as, uh, as opposed Peace. to as opposed to like something being given to you. You know, you have to go and get it. And I thought that that part of it was cool because it became a thing of discovery. Like I didn't get into the Beatles until way after I should have. And so when I finally did, I was at a different place musically that it meant more to me. And I was interested in very different things. I think you do have to kind of brainwash a kid. I mean, at least I do. I mean, you got to brainwash them because, I mean, they're going to get brainwashed from other people. So at least, it was like with my Were boys. Were you punished for music down south? I was not punished. I, I The only time I can remember being even like something like kind of getting getting words at me. My granddad, I had Bigger and Deffer, LL, mm -hmm. the second album. I had Bigger and Deffer, and I'm Bad comes on. And I had it playing, and he was in the room, 
And I oh my god, but I ain't met a motherfucker who could do that yet. That one L lyric. I had the same experience. Oh my god, it was just the same thing. Yeah, that one. Li- you let so, it play. I let it play, but it was it was too late. Like I caught like, I was on the other side of the earth, and I ran faster <laughs> than Moses' gun. <laughs> and Carl Lewis and I ran. And- yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was man. I and my granddad from there, he was like, Where was that tape at you listen to talking about motherfuckers? And and my grand and <laughs> yo, I and I'm thinking about this now. My granddad, because I know there's a link here, mm-hmm. my grandfather was a huge fan of Nat King Cole. That really? was all he listened to. So if it wasn't Nat King Cole, he wasn't trying to fuck with none of that shit. If were any rappers. Any black men with jewelry. But were you subjected to listening to it? I was. He would, My granddad, every Christmas, he would bring out the Christmas album. Mm-hmm. And he would just sit us in the den, and you just had to listen to that. And that was it. It wasn't no talking. This is not up for discussion. This is not a debate. No UTFO, no. Nah, none of that. No uh, <laughs> UTFO. Oh, my God. No Dana Dane. None of that. None of that joint. None of the Christmas records. It was all, it was all Nat King Cole. My jazz education was kind of also ass backwards because jazz was punishment in my household. Oh wow! Like so, you, you were punished. Yeah, like I feel like my it? parents felt as though jazz music was a way to exercise the the prince demons out of me. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever I mean, I my 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 public telling of of. The amount of times I've gotten punished for owning 1999 is super legendary. <laughs> um, but they would break the record and then, you know, it would be like no stereo for two to three weeks, which is like a lifetime to me. Yeah. Uh, and the only thing I was allowed to listen to was Christian radio and jazz music. Wow. And so usually like... So it's like eat your vegetables kind of thing. It's, it's, yeah. It's like so all my knowledge and my associations of... All those Coltrane songs, Alabama and Love Supreme and the entire Coltrane plays the blues record is based on just the fact that this is real music, not that Prince. You know, I mean, dad just thought like Prince was a dude that wore a diaper. <laughs> oh, wow. So, <laughs> wow. I mean, he saw the, yeah, the Midnight Special color. thing. Yeah, oh, okay. No, the, the <laughs> Midnight Special when he's doing I Want to Be Alone. Oh, okay, it's okay, like, yeah, yeah. You know, boy, don't you ever... Wear no diaper. Like, <laughs> Dude, and you know what, man? It's, and the thing you say that is like, I guess that's kind of where I'm at now with my kids because my oldest son, he is into music. But the thing I will say about him is Who's that he, he listens, listens to everything. He listens to everything. He'll listen to like Young Thug and Lil Yachty, like all the mm-hmm. all the, the the XXL cover dudes. But then <laughs> the freshman cover dudes, he'll listen to them, but then he'll listen to the Beatles, like he'll listen to, and that was the thing, like when we were talking earlier, you said the kids are more well sophisticated done. because I think what it is now, like kids now, they ain't got to pay for shit. So they can listen to everything. Like I remember buying music or stealing music back in my day. <laughs> um, <laughs> like you had to make a choice, you know what I'm saying? Even a choice of what to steal. You couldn't fit all the shit in the bag. It's like, I got to make a choice of what I'm going to steal today. But back then, but now, minute, like, kids on today. <laughs> Wait, let's have another Fonte Breaks the Law movie. Tell us another story, Fonte. Well, no, nah, I mean, you couldn't. You ever get caught stealing this shit? Nah, I never did. I never did. But it was certain, because they, they switched it up 
They switched you it did. up. You got caught stealing. Silent Bill has a story. Name the record. <laughs> oh, man. I, I got caught stealing when I was 14 from Target. I had... I had oh, from Target? Oh, wow. Wait, how no. old are you? Target just came out like last year. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm 36. All right. This was, this was 94. I used to, I, Every Friday, I would go to the mall. And I had like this big Charlotte Hornet starter jacket with the pocket in the front the flap. You, know. oh, you was mental. Oh, or bad. I had this small totally pair of scissors because you know you know how they had the the little plastic thing. The you plastic put, around. Yeah, the plastic around it. So I would take them to take the CDs to the the handicap bathroom, cut the plastic thing off of it, open the CDs, toss everything in the trash, and just walk Bill's out. Feels like a real thief. Oh, oh yeah, so you ain't had, yeah. <laughs> handicap bathroom. You took it too far. No, no, huge. That shit lasted for a good year. Oh man, I didn't even do all that. See, all I did was like I just I didn't even have like I had like a little key, like my key, my mailbox key in my that went to my in in college. Like you get your little mailbox. Right, right. My mailbox key was mad sharp. So all I would do is just you know beforehand we would just like take them and you, you just kind of hide college. Them. Yeah, this was like I think it's now it was out back right. I'm saying, when, but it was I I didn't have a, I didn't get my first computer until 2003 four. So like uh, that was when I Should've I got stole my a first computer. computer. Man, look, I know right. I should, <laughs> I if I was really on it, I should have got one. But my last one, I remember like you just opened a little joint because then they started changing it and they would put the sensors inside yeah. the CD cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then what you do? That's when I had the key. You just take the key and then you just get the CD out and then you just leave the case and put the case back up in. So if like if I was still in a stereo, it's like Everclear, fucking you know. Everything but the girl. You would go to jail for Everclear? No. Hell no. I'm just saying that was... <laughs> no, I'm not getting arrested for Everclear. But it was like the E section. You know what I mean? Who was, who was popping at that time? It was Everclear. Right. It was all that. See, okay, so what did you get caught stealing? Well, how did you get caught? First of all, how did you get caught? Okay, I got caught because somebody came into the bathroom like right after I did and okay. saw all the shit that I had thrown away in the all, trash. All the, okay. Someone and they snitched? There? Yeah, they snitched. So yeah, was it a store employee? It was. I don't think it was a store employee. It was probably like some woman and her child or whatever walked in. The titles of the CDs I stole were Ill Al Scratch's first album. Wow, uh, which was an EP. It was like Where My Homies, EP. like eight right. times. Right, I know. Right. It was like <laughs> Where My Homies. Uh, where I'll are my it. homies? <laughs> like, Here right. they is. Where are my homies right. at? <laughs> so, it's, it's Ill Al Scratch, Keith Murray's most beautiful thing in the world. Okay. TLC's crazy, sexy, cool. All right. And the one that is clown worthy, Mariah Carey's Christmas album. Oh, oh wow. wow. No, that's not clown worthy. Right after that, Kid Colt. Uh, <laughs> right. Now, the cover, though, of the. Of the <laughs> Shannon Tweet. That's why you stole <laughs> Shannon Tweet. <laughs> no, well, no. You're in the VHS section, Steve. <laughs> you know what? Actually, I, I stole a Steve. I stole a cassette. I forgot. I used to work. One of my biggest shames in life was that I got fired from Sam Goody's. Damn, you did five from Sam Good. Did you steal? Them? I know, like how? What? I know. It's like it's such a no-brainer, right? I should still be working at Sam Goody <laughs> right now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Um, <laughs> yeah, it was it was January of of oh, shit, eighty nine, <laughs> and Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul just came out, and um, I took the promo cassette from the store. And I guess I got wow. that's not stealing wow. promo cassette. It's well, there's it only sale. one copy of it. And oh, okay. I guess the manager wanted it. <laughs> they didn't exactly oh, wow. call me. They didn't call me out on it. But you know, it's just like, all right, we're letting you go, Amir. And I didn't 
say anything. I just walked away defeated. I, then I started I, the roots. I, I would get my <laughs> Then I started the roots. Right. One <laughs> single tear <laughs> falls from his face. I, I say three behind rising is worth getting fired over. Though. Yeah, I, yeah, that's that's yeah. if you're gonna get fired. That's I wasn't bitter, but uh, when we did right. have an in store for our second album, do you want more? Uh, I denied the uh, the store uh, doing an in store there, and instead I did it at Tower Records. <laughs> <laughs> that's how Sweet. bitter I was. Tower Records. That's how bitter I was. <laughs> Yeah. I just wrote the music for a Tower Records documentary. Not just. It was a long time ago. The Colin Hanks one? Oh, yeah. the Hulk Hank, Hulk Hanks one? That's dope. The that Colin was, Hanks. That was good. Yeah. That was a good one. That's the one music documentary. That you're not in? That I did a <laughs> five-hour interview for Colin Hanks. That you're still not in? That I got put on the cutting room floor. But you know that if you go to IMDb, you're the first face. I think that's there. It's like Grohl and then you, but you're not even in it. I'm. You got hanked. <laughs> I'm not bitter though. But no, not at all. I didn't see the movie. Like, is it that it's only <laughs> Tower employees that were in it, or no? I think Elton John was like the only yeah, every, celebrity that. No, but Chuck D's used. in it as well, right? I think so. Yeah. Is yeah. I I, I don't so. know. I don't. He might have gotten on the cutting room floor too. Yeah. How I, is it? Is it good? It I haven't is, seen it. Is it good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but I spoke for like five hours <laughs> and nothing. And they didn't. And they didn't use you. Nothing was usable. Damn. I, my feelings were hurt, man. It's okay. Well, we've learned a lot here today, ladies and gentlemen. This can go on forever, but I got my work cut out for me tonight. Yeah, you do. Good luck, Bill. You do. And you have to give them a cut tomorrow? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I was about to say shit. No, it's Bill wants to like prepare this years in advance. No, Sean wants to prepare everything years in advance. Yeah, which I'm cool with. Right. I know. You guys are prepared. See, I keep responsible people in my life. Because I am a slacker at Smart. heart. Smart. I feel you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm doing uh, this whole responsibility thing. And you know what? And that's it's very <laughs> profound that you say that. Because I've been trying to explain that people. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, because they see you working hard and they're like, man, you're going to get it. You work really hard. And it's like, the reason I'm working hard is because I'm trying to get it. You would know I've officially got it when you motherfuckers never see me again. You know what I mean? Like that, like that's when you'll know I've made it. Like when when you don't see me tweeting, we don't see no Instagram, when all that social media shit is over. Oh, son, there's no such thing as disappearing. You don't think so? Oh well. You you might get to do this in your life. Oh, the two phone? The two actually it's four, but yeah. God like, damn. So why so why would you need four phones? Which one is which, which one is the whole phone? You- <laughs> and that's, that's the question of phone. Supreme, ladies and <laughs> that, That's the fifth phone. Uh, On behalf of our <laughs> our new inductee, Bill Sherman, yeah. uh, yeah. Bill Johnson, oh, Steve oh. Mandel, oh, and Ron Tickler Coleman, <laughs> and yours truly, Questlove, we thank you very much. We pray that you come back next time. <laughs> God willing. Next Wednesday. Good night. You know, we come back next time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Questlove Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the highly anticipated 100th episode of Tank and Jay Valentine's R&B Money Podcast with artist Chris Brown. Even working with you from Carrie Hilson, Adonis, mm-hmm. back in the day, I was 15, 14 doing that album. So like I said, I was in school like, yeah. okay, this is how you do it. This is how you make a song. There's a verse, a pre-chorus, and then a hook. I didn't know none of that. You learned I, that over a summer, bro. That's what I, it felt like. That's what it felt like. Listen to R&B Money on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 